0: In the name of the great mystery we call God, our creator, our significant sibling, Christ, our center, and the Holy Spirit, the eyes and guide of our hearts. Amen. First, I want to thank the dean for inviting me, and I really want to th- thank the drum singers. Wow, my heart is still just pounding out of my chest. I remember when chicken tasted like chicken. (laughs) During the morning my grandmother would start the beans and potatoes before catching a chicken out in the yard and go through the process of killing it and putting it in scalding water and removing the feathers and cutting into pieces so she could fry it in a large iron skillet. It tasted amazing. Sometime during my childhood, that all changed. Like most everything in our culture, that process of killing chickens for food became an industrial process. The old way of doing chicken was assimilated into the modern culture. So the process of taking a life, removing feathers, and even cutting the chicken into standardized pieces along an assembly line became the norm. Processors even standardized guidelines for feeding and handling of chickens eventually they were confined to crates throughout their existence and the new chicken tasted something like the old but it's not the same and i miss it as the body of christ we're here today to celebrate the eucharist and to celebrate the life of a Cheyenne warrior, medicine maker, who was already fully human in the early part of his life. His life before capture, imprisonment, and assimilation was just as valid and just as valuable to creator as anyone here today. Yet he was the subject of a mindset of the dominant culture that believed he needed to evolve into the proper way of doing things, doing life. The same proper way of life that has increased the temperature of the earth by two degrees Fahrenheit since he was born. It has made the rivers and stream waters undrinkable without processing and has developed weaponry capable of destroying humanity and the life as Creator intended. I celebrate the gifts making medicine brought to the Arapaho and Cheyenne people in his walk with Christ and being the first episcopal presence in Indian Tory that's now known as Oklahoma yet I do so with a conflicted sense of morality. Like longing for my grandmother's chicken, my soul longs for the rich and earthly spirituality that making medicine's ancestors held in reverence, reverence for all of creation. We have faint collections of some pieces of that spirituality that somehow (coughs) (coughs) survived the assimilation of indigenous peoples, but regrettably, it's not the same. My maternal great-grandmother's great-great-grandparents were Chickamauga, Cherokee. They lived near what is now Chattanooga, Tennessee until about 1809. Her family left Tennessee when they discovered that the new people, and their strange ways and manners, started appearing in the area. It's like they could see the handwriting on the wall and they wanted nothing of it. So they went to Texas with Diwali, the boat. Decades later, when Texas entered the United States, many of the Cherokee were rounded up and taken to Indian territory. But her family had heard too many horror stories and evaded the roundup. In real time, my great-grandmother was a contemporary of making medicine. She died in 1942, about 10 years after his death. She raised my mom, and taught her how to grow a traditional garden. She taught my mom that all beings, animate and inanimate, are our relatives and to treat them that way, to respect them that way. But as late as President Teddy Roosevelt, presidents were known to make public statements like the only good Indian is a dead Indian, The big secret of her origin was scary and evoked a sense of shame as her children would be half-breeds. Hiding my shame, hiding, hiding and shame are in my DNA. Yet even as a child, my soul knew that part of me wanted to be known one example of the subtle attitude that still remains happened during my first year of seminary back in 1995 my great grandmother is a treasure in my family yet even as recently as then It still felt unsafe to share the secret. On March of that year that I entered seminary, before I entered it, Great Spirit called me to a vision quest in the Big Bend National Park. God knew the Cherokee part of my soul needed recognition and healing. I found a Cherokee guide in Hunt, Texas to hold the line for me as I sought Creator's vision in an environment that was utterly foreign to my life experiences at that point. I had a series of three visions during that time resulting in my soul feeling more at home in my body than I could ever remember. One was that water, which I have taken so for granted, is both sacred and essential. The second, that my wife, son, and daughter were not possessions of mine. They're my teachers. And the third was that I'd been running all my life from what I saw as the shadow or unreconciled side of me. So it was now time to look at it and embrace it. So I could mature more fully. After sharing those revelations with my guide. He gave me the name. Choi Nunya Agamatia, That's translated into English. as three stone seeing. And at the end of that time. I knew. That I could do seminary. And that I could serve God's people. With love. I took a spirituality class in the second semester with a professor who later became my boss. He assigned a paper to write about a spiritual experience. I wrote about my vision quest. On September 10th, 2000, he preached at my ordination to the priesthood at All Saints Chapel in Sewanee. And during the sermon, he brought up my paper. He said in a condescending voice that I wrote about a Native American vision quest. Then he quickly stated that he had followed my progress in seminary and said he saw that I had moved beyond that. He said I was a good Christian now. My wife, Pam, couldn't contain an audible groan. And every cell in my body wanted to either run or fight. I have ordained friends who are indigenous that left their respective reservations to go to seminary. In sharing that experience with them, they've told me that going off to seminary for them brought up primal feelings about the tragic policy of the boarding schools for their people. The cultural slights and expectations of assimilation are more subtle today than 100 years ago. And maybe the 1985 addition to medicine, of medicine maker to the list of saints is an attempt to assuage some institutional and dominant culture guilt for the wounds inflicted by US policy and people's attitudes toward indigenous people. And as a church and as a people, we're still not walking our talk. The gospel reading from Luke tells us that Jesus sent out the disciples in two, twos, to tell the good news that the kingdom of God is near. He instructed them to eat the food they served them, to be a part of their culture, and then point them to God. He did not tell them to assimilate them. Into the Jewish culture. Even the Apostle Paul argued successfully with Peter and others when Peter insisted that the Gentile proselytes be circumcised. Sadly, the overall interpretation of the church in dealing with indigenous people has yet to actualize. That foundational teaching. This is important. The faith we call Christian did not originate in England or in Rome. They themselves developed liturgies and ways of expressing that were indigenous to their culture and their time. The canon of Christian experience and expression is not finished, and it's not settled. It's meant to be alive and vibrant and expressible through any culture. If I were to write another paper today on a spiritual experience, I might write about my vision quest. But I also might write now about the one other time I was in St. Paul's Cathedral in Oklahoma City. I attended a few years ago with Blue, Frank, and Buzz. It was the day of Pentecost. Hearing the reading from Acts in Creek and other indigenous tongues simultaneously Was an identical moment, identifiable moment of the second seeding of my soul. I felt at home. I felt at peace in the scar tissues of my heart. So I want to thank you from the depths of my soul. For all you have done and for all you will do to awaken the church. All people were created in God's image. And God gave them unique abilities to desire, seek and see truth. I tend to see truth in stories. Said stories and sung stories. They touch me at levels more awakened than my frenetic brain, just like the drumming this morning. It's like something authentic goes deep within and eventually finds a way to emerge into my awareness. So I leave you with my stories and words with humble gratitude and inspiring awe for your continuing to learn and grow in how to truly be the body of Christ.